Real quick before we get started, let me tell you about this episode's sponsor. It's Auxilio Partners, building the legal, business, and technology infrastructure for church plants. Find out more at auxilio.partners slash five points. You are listening to the Five Points Church Planting Podcast, where two church planters try to make one good point. Today on the pod, we're talking with Ken Kunkel. He's the pastor at Grace Reformed Presbyterian Church. And besides updating us on what the ARP Church has going on with church planting these days, Ken gives us some great hands-on advice to anyone interested in planting or being a part of a church plant. So here we go. Welcome to the Five Points Church Planting Podcast. We're excited about our guest today. Ken Conkle, who is a minister with the ARP, that's the Associate Reform Presbyterian Church. Hopefully, he'll be able to tell us more about that as we talk to him today. He is a church planter in Raleigh, North Carolina, and we are thankful that he could join us, and we're excited to hear from someone who is in the ARP. We've talked to church planters in the OPC and, of course, in the PCA as well. So we're, we're glad that he is joining us. We're glad that he's here. Well, thanks, Hunter. I, I, it's a joy to be with you. Uh, I appreciate the fact that you're giving some, uh, some um, publicity to the ARP. Uh, I'd love to share with you a, about it. Um, a little bit about myself. Um, I was born in Flint, Michigan. Anytime I ever tell somebody I was born in Flint, Michigan, they always ask me if I, if I drank the water. Um, but uh, I, w- I was born there, raised there. When I was 17 years old, I was dying to, to leave um, the, the area. And so I joined the Marine Corps. And uh, I remember the recruiter had showed me pictures of pretty girls on the beaches in California. And so I knew I had to get out of Flint, Michigan and, and, and go to greener pastures. And um, I spent 11 years in the Marines and got out and, and never thought I'd move back, but I did. And, and I met my wife there and we have uh, three children. My wife is the, uh, the daughter of a medical doctor, but they did um, medical missions. So she spent much of her time uh, in the Ivory Coast of Africa. And so um, she had a heart for missions. And so uh, I had never thought about even going into ministry. Um, but one day I'd heard uh, someone speaking about military chaplaincy. And so that had kind of piqued my interest. And so it took several years of me kind of pushing away and, and kind of denying what maybe the Lord had put upon my heart and had in the calling that he had. And um, so long story short, we, uh, we ended up um, answering that call to, to ministry um, with the intent that we were going to go into military chaplaincy. And um, many things had happened and it just didn't work out. I ended up being too old to do that. And so pastoral ministry was the path for me. And I'd always had a heart for starting something new, that entrepreneurial spirit and um, so we had been assessed as church planters with the ARP and, um, nothing came to fruition. There was never a, uh, there was not an opportunity. People had talked about this mission field or this mission field, but nothing came into fruition. And that was, that was divine intervention there because it allowed me to go to a small church, uh, in Jacksonville, North Carolina and pastor that for about two and a half years and really understand really hone some preaching skills, but understand how to moderate a session, how to, how to, how to work with people. And it was just a blessing to have that experience before I went into church planning. 
But in 2015, we were we were called up here uh, to to Clayton, North Carolina, which is just outside of Raleigh, to to plant a, a church. Uh, the church is Grace Reformed Presbyterian Church, and we became organized uh, July 15th of 2018. I think you all in PCA would call it particularization. Um, and so it has been a, a true, true blessing. So let's talk about the, the ARP, like you had mentioned. It's obviously a much older denomination than the PCA is. So could you give us a little insight on what church planting has historically looked like in the ARP and then more of a modern update? What does church planting in the ARP look like now? Sure. Um, the ARP, um, we're, we're small. Um, and we're old. We we our roots go all the way back to the late 1700s in Scotland. Uh, there's an interesting fact about the ARP, and I, I've shared this with many people. Why it was founded? Um, um, there was a book written um, back in I believe it was late 1600s. It was the uh, the marrow of modern divinity. Many of you probably have read it. It was written by Edward Fisher, but back then nobody read it, and it just sat on a shelf or. Uh, on, a, on a mantle on a fireplace and until Thomas Boston picked it up and he said there is really something to what Edward Fisher is talking about because the Church of Scotland at that time had said that they um, that in order to hear the gospel you had to prove that you were the elect um, and Edward Fisher was talking about the free offer of the gospel and so our denomination this really kicked off these these um, these seceders from the Church of Scotland. And so I always tell people that our denomination was founded upon the free offer of the gospel. And so that's a, that's a, I think it's a cool thing for our denomination. Um, when you look at history of the ARP, it, it, it followed the railroad back in the early 1900s. And so churches were planted. We predominantly are in the Southeast. We do have some churches. Uh, we have a Northeast Presbytery. So we have churches up in the Northeast. Uh, we have as far out as, as Texas. We've got a plant in, in California, but predominantly we're strong in the Southeast. And um, it's been our roots in um, church planting has probably been fairly stagnant for periods of time in the, uh, in the ARP. Um, but I think recently we've had a number of successful church plants that have, have blossomed into being organized congregations. And it's been really wonderful to see how, how these congregations have, have really grown and thrived um, in these last several you know, five to 10 years. Ken, you particularized before COVID before the pandemic, before all the difficulties that it's caused for church planters. And so we've heard a lot of guys talk about how it was challenging and difficult to plant during that time. For you, what has it been like pastoring, planting, and leading a church that was a little bit more established before the pandemic took place? Yeah, they never cover managing a pandemic in seminary. So, right, I missed that class. <laughs> it was uh, it was difficult. Um, you know, we would have session meetings very very frequently, probably weekly at times, where we would at least just get together, um, or, or or Zoom. We became Zoom experts. Um, we how we handled the pandemic. We we I was actually on a sabbatical when all of the, the, the closures happened. And so I had to return from my sabbatical. And 
not what you really want to do. It wasn't the, the way to end a sabbatical early and, and having to deal with COVID, but we immediately, you know, did what I think what everybody did. And we, we, we closed the church. We went to videos and um, we did uh, all of that. Uh, we had a, a gentleman in our congregation that happened to have all the equipment. And so we were able to utilize that and, and we did it for about 10 weeks. And, um, and then we made the decision um, that we were, we were, we were going to hold worship services. We were not violating the law. Um, it was, and we had people from all ends of the spectrum. We had people who were adamant that this was nothing more than the flu, um, that masks should not be worn. And we had people who were, if you might say, hunkered down in their house and not, not even seeing the light of day. And so it was very difficult, but we, we made a very, um, calculated um, assessment of each family. And we, we kept in contact and we split up the families and we, we had weekly contact with all of them. And by God's grace, all of them have returned, but a couple. Um, and it's been, it's been a blessing to see. I, I, I can imagine the, um, the difficulties of church planting in the midst of this. We just actually had a, a PCA church planter who came to our church this past Sunday. Uh, and he was planting up in the Northeast and um, his plant was closed um, by the PCA because of the, uh, because of COVID it had, it had done, had such a dramatic effect uh, on that. All right, Ken, before we zoom in on Grace Reformed Church, you mentioned previously that uh, the ARP had gone through um, some ebbs and flows as far as uh, focusing on church planting, but now it seems like there's uh, there's at least a couple of church plants going on uh, across the country. So what do you think has been the reasoning behind uh, the sudden, maybe more focused approach to church planning in your denomination? If I had to pinpoint what maybe the, the reason for the sum of success is, is just more of a strategic approach. Um, I, I think, I think at times in the ARP, they had, they had thought that, well, we would like to see a church here um, and didn't give much thought and, and, and invested a fair amount of money into these plants. And then come to find out they were uh, the, the church planter was not um, the right person for it. Um, maybe the area wasn't right for it. Not doing a lot of, of the, of the legwork up front uh, to do that. And so I think um, having some of these churches become organized has helped us as we are then now working with other, with the church planners, helping with the assessment of planters, um, helping with all of the, the planning up front that goes in there and, and really committing to, to even spending that, that, that year, that first year of, of just um, exploratory work, I think has been, been really beneficial uh, to these plants. All right, so let's zoom in on grace reform then for a second. What led uh, you and the denomination to focus on this place to plant a church, and what was the startup process like for you guys? I originally was, as I had said, was 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 pastoring a church in Jacksonville, and I had been approached by a, um, a friend of a friend that said, you know, there's a there's a group of, of twelve folks that are are looking to possibly plan a church in the area, would you be able to help them out and guide them and with the, possibly with the, see if the ARP would be interested. And so I was kind of a consultant in that point. Uh, and 
as I was helping them, we ended up having some conversations and they found out that I had been, the ARP does an assessment of church planners. We, we assess them. It's a three-day assessment process. I'm sure the PCA has something quite similar to that. And I had been approved as a church planner, but nothing had come to fruition. So we, um, so I was helping them and then somebody asked me, would you, would you be willing to be our church planter? And I, uh, I immediately told them, no, I, I have a job. I have a calling. And, and, and so I went to one of my mentors and I was talking to him and telling him, and he said, well, what did you tell them? And I said, well, I, I told them that I had a job. And he said, well, wouldn't you just simply tell them that you'd be praying about it because, you know, the Lord, could you possibly be leading you somewhere else? And so he ended up opening all the doors for us in it um, and led us to that. I remember somebody telling me when we first started that um, your core group will be gone within two and a half years. And I thought, that's just ludicrous. That's that there's no way that that would ever happen. And sure enough, I think it was several days before we hit that two and a half year mark that every one of those poor people had left. And I had contemplated that was a difficult thing to grasp. Why would they leave? And, and this, this gentleman explained, he said, you know, most times when there's a core group, those folks end up, they have a vision for what they want. And when right. it doesn't meet that vision, then they, um, then they, they find something else. And so um, it was, it was eye opening, but it was, I learned so much through this as, as people left, the Lord kept filling the well and kept bringing people in. And um, we had gotten, uh, we had grown very quickly and had um, had to move out of the, the space that we had. We, we, we were blessed by being able to find a small retail space that we were able to rent. So we had an established place. Uh, you know, I, uh, and a lot of my friends who are church planners are setting up at the YMCA every, every Sunday and have been doing it for years. And we, we had that blessing of having a, a space with a sign. And so we, we had a presence in the city. And so that was a real, a real benefit to us. And then the Lord just kept sending us people that had a heart for reaching out to their neighbors and to the, the people of our city. And so we grew so much just by simply word of mouth. Yeah. Ken, if you had a young, you know, seminary student or a young pastor sit down and have coffee with you, taking your military experience and your established church pastoral ministry experience and now church planning, what would you say to this, this person considering church planning ministry, whether a seminary student or, or a pastor? Um, probably what I have learned the most is the Lord will put whoever he wants in that church plan. What I mean by that is so oftentimes when I would get together with other church planters and the ARP would have these little getaways that we could, we could um, gather in fellowship and, and learn from one another. Um, probably one of the first things we'd always talk about is so how many people are, are attending your, your church plant? It was always, it seemed like that was the, the marker that we would always either validate our ministry on based on what other church plants were, were, were doing. And it, it just, it didn't seem right. Um, what, what I mean by that is there were so many times that 
I could easily think if all of a sudden we had, and there were, there were Sundays where we would have five new families come in. Mm-hmm. And it was so easy if you were just thinking in numbers, um, what a wonderful church planter I am. What a wonderful pastor I am. But then, you know, when five people, when five families leave, well, then you say, well, what a terrible pastor I am. And so I would, I would tell any church planter, the, the Lord is his church. It's his plant. It's his work. And if I could go back and rewind the clock, I would spend much more time praying about what the Lord was doing than, you know, I have a business minor uh, or my, my undergrad is in business. And so I have this business mindset and oftentimes I, I looked at it as a business, you know, what's the, if we do this, what's the return on investment? And, and, you know, you need those, those characteristics, you need that thought process, but, yeah, sure. but so oftentimes I think we, we almost treat it as, as our church plant as our work. And it is the Lord's work. And, you know, if you talk to any church planters, they, they can tell you how many times they've been humbled by what right. they've seen the Lord do. Right. Absolutely. So Ken, as your church has grown, as you have been established in your denomination as an official church, what would you say are some of the things that as a church plant that you did well in terms of outreach, evangelistic efforts, um, speaking, you know, stepping into your community and making yourself known. Um, If you would just, you know, share some of those things with our listeners. Well, I think, you know, finding the community, finding what's the, what's the pulse of the community. Um, I, I, I interacted a lot with a lot of the other pastors in town. I mean, guys that I probably didn't have a lot of theological, um, things that we agreed upon, but, um, you know, they were, they were, they were brothers and, and many of them were brothers in Christ and we would, we would get together. And so I would make those connections, um, spent a lot of time, um, in local establishments and in, in the coffee shops that would, that would know me well. Uh, we did a lot of that. We have big festivals here. And so we would, we would get tables, but probably I would say, you know, I think it was Barnum that, um, did the research on this but I believe it was 80 some percent of the people that come to a church plant were personally invited. Yeah. And so we made a very um, big effort to try to get our folks. We printed uh, invite cards. We did, uh, we had all sorts of things that would, would have basic information that they could simply put in their wallet, put in their car, put at their desk. Um you know, we, we have a fair amount of folks that have come to our church because, you know, my wife and I invited them when our, my boys were playing the local base, the rec baseball league. Yeah. And so we, 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 you know, I, I think it's, it's becoming part of that community, getting to know people and then simply just inviting them and, and, and praying that the Lord would, would, would bring them uh, to, yeah. to your, to your work. Yeah. I think oftentimes the secret sauce in, church planning is not a complicated creation. You know, it's quite simple. And that's sharing with other people about what you're doing and inviting them to church. And I think so many people, um, particularly, you know, if you think about core groups and a church plant, um, it's, it's very intimidating and very hard and challenging for those 
people in the core group to just simply invite people to church. It's not something they're used to doing. It, it's, it makes them nervous. It gives them anxiety. But that is a real, real foundation, I believe, in terms of growing a church, which is talking about it and inviting. And that's that's key. Absolutely. We one of the things too is we 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 wanted to make sure and the our folks at Grace Reformed made it make my job easy because they are just a welcoming bunch. But we wanted to make sure that we had we had a one a, a very warm and welcoming greeting when, when people would walk through that door that they would feel truly welcomed. And so we we yeah. put a lot of effort into that. And then our like I said, our folks, they just they make it easy because you know. Whoever comes to our church always wants to be around these type of folks. Sure, absolutely. So, Ken, you mentioned early on that your group met in a retail space. Um, how did you facilitate things like office meetings, Bible studies, if you wanted to do Sunday school? How did that take place in the life of your church when you were meeting in a retail space? Well, it was easy because we had it. Um, it. When I say retail space, it was an old strip mall, but it was a church before we were there. So the, the walls were up. There was a, It was about 3,000 square feet. There was a, a small uh, an area for worship, which was about half of that. Um, and then we had various classrooms and my office was there. We had a, a lobby that we turned into a, a meeting room. So our session meetings were there. We had Bible studies there. Um, we had, we spent a fair amount of, on signage and we had a fair amount of walk-in people that would just come by and say, um, you know, I, I see you're a Presbyterian church and, 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 and would, you know, would, would come in. We, Clayton is an area that um, if you would take a snapshot 15 years ago, it was half its size, if, if not even less than that. And so we have had a lot of, 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 of growth, a lot of transplants. And so people are coming and they were looking for churches. And one of the things too, that when we did our demographic study, when we began was um, Clayton, the median age in Clayton is much less than the state of North Carolina, which means we have young people, we have young people with families. And so we, 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 we tried to do a lot of that. We had um, all our youth activities there. And so all the, the neighborhood that was around this, 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 this strip mall, um, they saw all of our youth out there playing basketball and things like that. And so it was a way for us to connect. Um, but we use that facility probably every day of the week. Thanks for the practical advice. If we could keep that going for just a second. So you mentioned earlier that uh, you thought one of the keys that had maybe helped to push church planting a little bit further ahead in the ARP was a, an intentionality and a focus uh, on that process. So what does that practically look like? So for maybe people that are in presbyteries or in sessions or that are thinking about church planning, how can they uh, talk with other people that are around them to help strategically like bring this back to the front burner? Well, it always, uh, you know, it, it's as the PCA has an arm that helps with church planning. We have what we call ONA, which is Outreach North America. But the real work of church planning is done in the presbyteries. Um, the presbyteries know that their areas. Um, we've just recently formed an, a new presbytery in the ARP, which is what we're part of. It's called Grace Presbytery. It's the first time we've formed a new presbytery, probably, I think, in 30 years or so. 
but it's the eastern half of North Carolina. Um, and so it's, it's smaller, it's easy for us to, to really understand that. But, um, you know, getting people on the church extension committee, which is what our committee, which is, is governs or, or uh, oversees the, uh, the church planners is, is getting men there with a heart for church planning. Um, we have many guys who have you know, planted churches, you know, maybe it was 25 years ago, but they have a, they have a heart for it. We have many ruling elders who have a heart for planting. The one thing I like about Grace Presbytery is we hold our presbytery meetings on Saturday mornings because we felt like in our old presbytery, uh, we held them on Tuesday mornings. Well, Tuesday mornings, you rarely would get very many ruling elders to show up because they were all working. And so we, we've been able to kind of hone in on some of those gifts that some of these, these even the ruling elders have this passion for it. Um, I, I would also make a plug for, I'm not sure how the PCA um, identifies them, but we call them provisional elders uh, for church plants. I, I would say that they are the most vital thing that a, a church planter can um, have at his side. I, I would not still be in the ministry if it wasn't for the two provisional elders that were given to me from other congregations. Uh, they were godly men. They gave me wonderful counsel. They, they gave me the encouragement when, when, when times were difficult. Um, and when we had our organizational service in 2018, they were up there and there were just tears in our eyes because we had gone through so much together. Um, and I acknowledged them. I said, I would never be here. Uh, without you all. And so I think Presbyteries uh, really is, is the, where everything happens and, and having an intentionality of, of, of getting the right provision of elders, not just an elder, but one who has a vision for um, church planting and, and, and can, can, can really walk alongside that, that planter. Ken, as you were growing your church plant, leading your church plant, you're looking for the day when you have your own elders and how are you intentionally thinking about leadership development as you grew your core group, as you grew your church plant? We were really intentional about it. I, um, we identified um, me and the two provisional elders. We identified eight men in our, in our, church plant after we were probably about about 18 months in we had we had grown to probably 80 or 90 folks and we identified eight men and we had approached each of them and spoke to them about possibly coming to elder deacon training i had taken stuff that i had read i had um you know ligon duncan had done some great work on elder deacon training the arp had published some stuff out there so i had kind of compiled all this stuff and done a, it was about a 10 week course and five guys ended up going through that. And we, we looked at everything uh, from Bible theology to, to shepherding, to, to finances, to all sorts of things that they would be a part of. And, um, and so we, um, and then uh, at the end of that training, um, I had gathered six, ruling elders, six pastors and six, um, or I mean, uh, there were three uh, pastors and three ruling elders. And they had, um, I had made them into a like a panel. And we had already examined because there was a Bible exam and a theology exam at the end of this training and these, but I wanted to know about godly character. 
And so I had assembled these six men to interview these five candidates. And they were, it was, it was a blessing to see just the wisdom in the room. And, and actually one of the men that went through the training was unanimously voted no by this panel of men because they noticed things that they said would be problematic uh, in the future. But something else very uh, pragmatic that I started with was the guys that we were going to be bringing on or potentially bringing on as, as elders, future elders. We had them attend the session meetings and they attended for almost two years. And I told them, I said, listen, you don't have a, vo you don't have a vote, but you have a voice. And so our provisional elders really trained them on how to be elders, how to be a members of a session. And I, like our clerk now, he was trained by the, the provisional elder who was serving as the clerk. And so just simply taking minutes and in, 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 in coordinating how, how the agenda is supposed to go, all this stuff was just invaluable. And so it, it when we organized our first session meeting wasn't their first session meeting. They had, they had attended probably, you know, 20 or 25 of those already and had been um, well seasoned in, in Presbyterian form of government. And so it was, I think that was a very pragmatic way to just really help develop those, those future elders to just get them involved. Ken, how can we and our listeners pray for you, pray for church planning in the ARP? What are, some things that we can focus on? Well, I think we have the same problems that, you know, I have buddies that are in the PCA or planting and we'll talk or commiserate about things. And, you know, I, COVID's been good and COVID's been difficult. Um, COVID has brought us many people who I think have hit the pause button on their congregations and said, you know, there's got to be something more. And so, you know, praying that the Lord would just continue to bring us people because people are searching for, they're searching for truth. They're searching for, you know, what, what, what Calvin would say were the true marks of the church. They, they want to see those things. Um, and so that, but that we would be, um, we would be ready for that growth because we've seen a, quite a bit of growth in the last year with Grace Reformed. Um, we've, we've gotten to a point where we've bought some property now and we're, we're getting to that, that, that point of really establishing ourselves here in this, in this city. Um, but that we would never lose our reliance upon the Lord. Um, you know, that we would continually be not trying to reshuffle the church deck so much. Now there are people that are in churches throughout our area that are, are bad churches and, and they ought to be in a, in a, in a, confessional church. But our goal is not to reshuffle the church deck, but it is to, to, to reach the lost. And so our, our biggest prayer is that, that the kingdom would be advanced, that people would drive by our church and say, that's where I heard the gospel. That's where my life changed. And, and that would be, you know, that would be probably the greatest thing that we could ever say about, about the work that we're doing here. Ken, that's a, Good word. Thank you for joining our podcast. Thank you for being the voice of the ARP. I hope that doesn't put too much pressure on you, um, but we are really thankful for that. And we will pray that the Lord will continue to bless your efforts in North Carolina. And again, so thankful that you could join us today. I appreciate you all. Bless you.
That's the last word for now. As always, you can reach us with comments or questions on Twitter and Facebook at Five Points Planting or at our new email address, reformedplanting at gmail.com. See y'all next time. Five Points Church Planting is a member of the Society of Reformed Podcasters. Chow-pow.